Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, says these words, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this Christmas season that we can truly have the spirit of Christmas, the spirit of God that's not the spirit of the world. It's a new spirit for a new year. And we just pray, Lord, for those that are on the road today. Bless the service and this word that we share this morning. In your precious son's name, amen. amen. You may be seated. Um, I'd just like to talk about sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. And this is a subject we've been we talked in December about the peace of God, and we I think we kind of came to this part of our Christianity where is a part of our Christianity that is um, it can be considered divinely subjective, but from uh, the point of view of um, objectivity in the sense that God wants us to be able to discover a very important part of our Christianity. I think that very often is either extremely explained or under not under properly understood. And you know, we approach the new year. I love, I just love um, uh, marks that that mark the end of something and the beginning of something new. And when we look at the new year, the guy who drove me here this morning, because my car is still at the shop, the guy, the taxi guy who drove me here, he just said, you know, the Christmas season, he said, I'm so glad it's over, because he said it was just so much pressure. And he says, you know, I just really wish it could be about you know, the uh, giving and receiving. And I just had a short time to share with him the, the, you know, the gospel. And I said, you know, it's surprising how many people struggle during these holiday seasons. And, you know, they look at the new year and he said, yeah, people look at the new year and they just get anxious because it's coming to an end. Their time is running out. And I thought that's so interesting. As a Christian, we would look at it from another perspective that, this is a new season in my life. This is a brand new beginning of something that God wants to do in my life. And when we look at uh, the year 2016, and we'll talk more about it Thursday night at our, at our uh, New Year's Eve uh, dinner. And by the way, after New Year's Eve dinner, about 7 o'clock, for those that want to join us, we're going to drive to Baltimore for the New Year's Eve service down there. But... When we look at the new year and we look at what God wants to do, I think that many times we overlook the fact that God wants to speak to us. God really wants to speak to us. I think that there are times when we really have questions in our minds, like why? Why is this this way in my life and why is this happening? Well, God wants to answer those questions. And I don't think that we have to pursue God with the the idea or the concept that God is hesitant to speak to us. God really wants to speak to us. God really wants to give wisdom. James chapter 1, that you know, ask God and he will give liberally wisdom. God is a God of communication. 
God is not a God that's just a moody person in his room with the door closed, not wanting to talk to us when we're knocking on the door of, 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 of God in prayer. God wants to speak to us. And I think that what he wants to do is he wants to speak to us about our life. He wants to speak to us about our family. Uh, he wants to speak to you about your job, your business. He wants to speak to us about our calling, our calling, our eternal calling as an individual in this world. What is our calling? God wants to speak to us about that. And the question is, is really, are we in a place to hear from God? Are we in that place to hear from God? And this is an interesting question because I think a lot of times when we want to speak about the subject or consider the subject about God communicating with us, um, we sometimes overlook the fact that we need to be in a place to hear from God. And how do we get into that place? Uh, I think some people have the wrong concept. Well, I've got to clean my life up first. I've got to get right. I've got to do all of these things. I've got to qualify myself so then God can speak to me. Then I can approach God clean and presentable, and then God will speak to me. But that really is not the biblical pattern of how God speaks to us. God has already equipped and prepared everything for us to speak to us. God has taken our sins, our worst sins, our most recent sins, our sins that are sins in the mind or sins of the mouth. And God has taken these and he's crucified these and he's set them aside. He has separated us as far as the east is from the west from our sins. And what an amazing way to start the new year. Because a lot of people cannot begin new things in their life because they're still tripping up over the old stuff. Like how can we run a race when the way in front of us is all just littered with just, just memories and things that we have not resolved with God? And how do we resolve these things? All of these, our successes and our failures of 2015, we just bring them to the cross and we say, God, here it is. We just bring it to the cross and that cross, what it does is, is it crucifies all of that and clears a path for us to run without stumbling. And I just want to say that 2016 for you is going to be a year of straight, straight paths and clear running. And I just can say that with confidence because that is God's heart. That's God's mind. Amen. God wants you to run a clear path. And it's not you getting things ready in your life and you getting your life together. It's God that has already done it all. There's so many Christians out there today trying to get their life together. And then they're not even a place of hearing. God's saying, hey, look, guess what, guy? I already did it for you. Stop striving. Just take a, just relax, chill, and rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Your sins are paid for. Your unbelief is paid for. It's all paid for. It's all been, and it's just like that, that song that we sang this morning. It was just so anointed. I've never heard it before. I love that song. Uh, hallelujah to the Lamb of God. That was such a, a great, great song. And so the question is, are we in a place of hearing of the Holy Spirit, of God? And, you know, we can be. And now, how do we get into that place? Well, I want to talk about that this morning. You know, um, I heard it said recently, well, not so recently, and I don't remember who said it, but he said that if God were to remove the Holy Spirit today from the earth, most Christians would not know the difference in their churches. <laughs> I think that may be even a very old quote. I thought about that. You know, if the Holy Spirit was to be removed today, and that's not going to happen because that's not, you know, part of the, our, uh, the doctrine of eschatology, but the Holy Spirit, if he was to be removed today or withheld or taken back 
in some way with most churches or most Christians even know the difference. And I don't know about you, but do you, can you sense the absence sometimes of the voice of God in your life? And how does that impact you? If you look at the life of Saul, King Saul, King Saul lived in his own in his own wisdom in his own opinion about things he lived in his own mind and he lived in his own way and that resulted in quenching the voice of the holy spirit in his life and he became very desperate even to the point of suicide and he as we can see in the scriptures was considered a believer an old testament believer who got really lost in his life and what can happen many times is is that we can begin to function in God, or we can begin to function our portion in the body of Christ in our in our church or in our family, and we don't and we don't even recognize that uh, we have in some way grieved the Holy Spirit. You know, there are very many times that we have to learn the hard way about um, hurting people, and just as the way we would grieve the Holy Spirit, many times we can use our relationship with people as a kind of as a gauge um, that many times we grieve those people that love us the most by ignorant mistakes. Have you ever done that before? Have you ever said something or done something? I'm sure you have. We've all done it. We've done something and we just were so ignorant about it. And these are really called blind spots. When we have a blind spot, we don't even see or know we are doing or what we're doing. We may say or do something that could really grieve someone that we love. Maybe it had happened over the holiday season where someone said something or you may have said something. And without even knowing it because of a blind spot, we may have grieved a person. And what, you know, and that's a hard thing to learn because it's one of the most painful things that we experience in our life is that when we realize that I've just hurt someone that I really love. And that's, that is a, that's a real, that's a real, I remember the first time as a, as a young person that it dawned on me that I just did something that hurt someone that really loved me. And this is many times because of blind spots or carelessness. And how do we avoid that? And how do we, how do we um, define this in the spiritual realm. Well, the same way it goes with God, that there's much that we, there's much that we do not know yet about the, the, the word of God. And there's a lot of things that we don't understand yet about God's plan. And that's what Jesus said to his disciples. He said, there are many things that I have to say to you, but you cannot bear it right now. Because the disciples did not have that capacity yet to even bear aspects of God's plan. And so the reason why that this can happen is, is because we can actually be grieving the Holy Spirit. I want to talk about that in a minute. But there is a, there, you know, I was driving home last night with my wife. We were with my, we were with my family in Baltimore. And, and um, if you're on Facebook, you probably know that I have a nephew called Carson. And he's probably the most famous kid on Facebook right now. If you're on Facebook, then... Every day, there's a new picture of Carson. It's part of, our, part of my daily devotions. So, you know, I get my Bible verse study, and then I get my picture of Carson on Facebook. And he's probably the cutest nephew on the planet. And he's just a, he's just, just a great kid. And 
he's two years old. And we were sitting with my brother, Pastor Jason, and they send their greetings to everyone here, Pastor Jason and Leah. And if it's getting a little chilly in here, just let me know. We can turn the heat up. And we were sitting there, and we were, I, I was showing my brother some missions videos, videos about missions, international missions. And we were just, they were like maybe five, ten-minute clips, and we are just watching them on YouTube. And they were like very stirring, very powerful. And we were down in his basement in his little man cave, and Carson was down there with us. He's got his little chalkboard and his little area, and the TV, you know, they got the TV kind of hidden, tucked underneath the stairs, and it's really kind of an odd place. And then on the big part of the wall, there was just this nice, nice big picture. I said, that's interesting, Jay. Why don't you just put the TV right on the wall? And he says, well, this is Carson's space. You know, we just, we want to have Carson have his space and no TV there. And so we were sitting there watching this, these little videos, and there uh, and Carson was there, sitting there watching, you know, and, and one scene came where it was a, uh, these missionaries that were traveling into the Himalayan mountains, and they were preaching to these very isolated villages, and uh, one of the villages had like a kind of a Buddhist type of temple-looking temple, and there was a guy there, one of the priests, that was just dressed very, like, like you know, just like a loincloth, something like that, and his whole body was covered with white chalk, and like, you know, just mustard-colored, you know, markings on his face. It was really bizarre. I don't know if you've ever seen that. And so my brother grabbed Carson and just kind of hid his eyes and, and until that scene was over. And it wasn't anything bad, but it was just very just different. And, you know, my brother said to me later, he says, you know, a two-year-old, for a two-year-old, everything that they see is reality. Mm-hmm. It's real. There's no filter there. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about that driving home, you know, that... Children are very, very sensitive. They're very sensitive. And we can know that because we were all kids. And, but there's an aspect of our, and some of us are still kids, <laughs> there's an aspect of our soul that has, st- has never grown up, and there's a child there. And this, there's a child inside of our soul that believes everything it hears and everything it sees, and it's reality. And, you know, I was, you know, I told a story before, but my wife and I were missionaries in Ukraine, and you know those years were years where there was just nothing there. There was like no, very little in the stores, no entertainment, nothing. And sometimes we would um, meet with other missionaries and just kind of chat and talk, and you know we'd share our American culture stuff. You know, one of the things that this one missionary brought, he brought like hundreds of just videos from America. <laughs> I mean, just he had a whole closet just stacked with videos. And I looked in there one time, and it was like some pretty wacky stuff. I was like, wow, I mean, that's just amazing. You know? And I said, uh, that's, that's some pretty violent stuff there. And he goes, well, it just all depends on your threshold. And I thought about that statement. I said, threshold, what does that mean? And when we think about it, that, that no matter what a person thinks their threshold is, there's a part of us that's very, very sensitive, and it believes everything it sees, and it... And everything that it hears and what it, what it sees is reality for it. There's a part of us that's still like that. It doesn't matter what a person thinks that they can handle. That's why when we see something or when we hear something, we think that we can handle it, but it's really damaging us beyond, beyond anything that we can even imagine. Because there's, that, uh, there's a little kid <clears throat> inside of us. And so this is what, you know, and when, when this happens to us, it can really grieve us personally. Have you ever really grieved yourself or been personally very grieved 
by something that you've seen or heard? Well, that can happen with our relationship with God. And before we can ever enter into any level of deep spirituality with God or, or understanding or spiritual depth in our walk with God, we have to learn how to hear from the Holy Spirit. And this is a big, mysterious subject for a lot of Christians, hearing from God, you know, hearing from the Holy Spirit. I remember as a new Christian, the most common question I would ask other Christians was, is like, how can I hear from God? How can I hear from God? And it was one of those kind of questions that you can never really, you just never got like this, you know, super answer, you know, like this answer that like, wow, okay, that's, that's the answer. Because in many ways, it's kind of subjective. But I would like to talk a little bit about that this morning, is that to hear from God, many times we don't hear from God because we're grieving the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in John chapter 14 and John chapter 16 is given to us by God. And this Holy Spirit is given to us by God. And this Spirit's job is to remind us of the words of Jesus Christ and to lead us in the details and in our decisions of our life. This Holy Spirit is that unseen part of God's personality that is very much a part of us. The Holy Spirit is closer to us than you are to yourself. The Holy Spirit is closer to you than, to, than your old sin nature is to yourself. We think that we know ourselves because we live with ourselves every day. You know, we have these feelings, these emotions, these aches and these pains or whatever, these things that we have in our minds that, that we stumble over. But the Holy Spirit is closer to us than those things. As a matter of fact, there are things that are inside of us that have been inside of that little child that's inside of us for so long that we think that nothing could ever be closer to us than that. Well, there is the Holy Spirit is closer to us. The Holy Spirit is called a comforter. He is called a comforter. He is the comforter that comforts us. The Holy Spirit is closer to you than your soul is to yourself. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is in our spirit. Are you catching that? Many times we think, well, you know what? People don't really know me, and people don't really know us. When we talk to people... We only know a very small percentage of who they really are because we haven't really seen them in certain situations. But God knows us. God knows us. And he's close to us. And he knows us even better than we know ourselves. But it's very easy for us to unknowingly grieve the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, we can live for days grieving the Holy Spirit and quenching him. And... You know, when we, and, and we don't even know it, like for days we can just be in our own, you know, our own little, what do they call that? Our own little, um, you know, our own little thing. And we're stuck in this, you know, cycle. And we could be in this cycle of just either depression or anger or whatever question and just be grieving the Holy Spirit and not even knowing it and then adding other things to that because. There's always like a process, you know, we, we get hurt and then we start hurting other people. And that's just Isaiah 30 verse 1, we're adding sin to another sin to another sin. And then we, because we're hurting ourselves, then we add another thing to that. Well, that is just the result of grieving the Holy Spirit. And then we can be surprised like, wow, I haven't heard from God for many, many days. Well, there's four things I just want to clear up about how... Uh, we can hurt the Holy Spirit. And some of them are, are misunderstood today. One of them is 
scary, and it's scary because it's not properly taught many times today. First of all, Ephesians 4, verse 30, we can grieve the Holy Spirit. And that is like really just grieving the Holy Spirit. That is just meaning that, and it's grieving is different than offending because offending is a word that, res, that relates to moods, selfishness, um, self-centeredness. God is, not, God is not offended in the sense that he is offended at things in our life like a moody person would be. God doesn't get offended because when people get offended, they just start ta- they stop talking or they fight back. God is not that way with you and I. God does not get offended at things. God gets grieved. The spirit gets grieved. And does things make God angry? Yes. But God doesn't get angry and offended in a moody way like a sinner, like, like a person would, like a fallen person would. The second thing that we can do the Holy Spirit is really called quenching. And it's basically... It's like throwing a bucket of water on a campfire. You know, when you leave your campsite, you just, you know, you put water or you bear, you just totally quench. The best way to stop a fire is to throw water on it. And when we continually grieve the Holy Spirit, there's a point where we just quench the Holy Spirit. And that's 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 19. And quenching can happen um, over a long period of time where we are just, we no longer sense the fire of the Holy Spirit in our life, that passion. Then there's the third thing, which is resisting the Holy Spirit. And these are like, this is an order of just uh, intensity. Acts chapter 7, verse 51, was the Pharisees and the rebellious people in Acts chapter 7, the audience that were be, was being spoken to, were resisting the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, the work of the Holy Spirit is first, the first work of the Holy Spirit in your life is to lead you to salvation. That's the first thing that the Holy Spirit was, is, is going to do in your life. To lead a person to get saved. And that's the first and primary work of the Holy Spirit. Before there's anything else happening in your life, he wants to lead you and bring you to a place where you hear the gospel and you get saved. And for many of us in this room, if not all of us, we've been, that's happened to us. The Holy Spirit's led us in a supernatural way where we heard the gospel of grace and we, uh, we made a, a decision in our life. We say... Yes, I accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, and I am born again. Resisting the Holy Spirit means that I am just, I am just pushing against that. I'm pushing against that. You know, maybe some of us remember that in our life, where we were just resisting the work of God in our life. We could sense the Holy Spirit working in our life, and we were just like pushing back. And a Christian can even do that. He can resist the Holy Spirit, and he can just push against the leading of the Holy Spirit. And it hurts, you know, when we do that. And you know what? There's not a human being on the planet that can that that if they were honest would say, "Yes, um, I have sensed the work of the Holy Spirit in my life, and I've pushed back." Even the person that says that they're an atheist, don't let that fool you. <laughs> they have a conscience in John one verse eight. That conscience, that moral light inside of them, is pointing to eternal righteousness that there is a God, and that's why many atheists today will say, "Well, I'm actually an agnostic." And, and when I meet an atheist, I many times say, you know what, you're not an atheist. You think you are, but you're not. You're probably an agnostic. And an agnostic means that they believe something's out there, but they don't know it. They don't know what it is. Yeah. And I think maybe very, 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 very few people that I've ever met are true atheists that just believe that there is absolutely no God. 
many of them are just agnostics. Resisting the Holy Spirit. And then the fourth one is what we've heard is called sinning against the Spirit. And this is Mark chapter 3, verses 28 through 30. Now, there's, there's three things I want to say about that. I just want to just want you to remember this. They sometimes call this the unpardonable sin. You know, the unpardonable sin, that scary word that, you know, don't commit the unpardonable sin. And I remember growing up hearing that and just being so freaked out by that and thinking, wow, what is the unpardonable, what is the sin that God cannot forgive that I would go to hell for? And Well, we need to understand what this verse is saying, and we need to understand when this verse was was being uh, spoken by Jesus and to whom it was being spoken to. First of all, it was, it was spoke, spoken to during Jesus' time on the earth. Number two, the audience were the Pharisees. Pharisees that were resisting the work of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ. And number three, these Pharisees were unbelievers. And so in, in short, what is the unpardonable sin with that, that, that there's no eternal forgiveness for in that verse? Well, let's just, let me ask you a question. If you're resisting, or if someone is resisting the work of the Holy Spirit in their life as an unsaved person, are they living in forgiveness of sins? They aren't, because they're resisting the Holy Spirit. They're resisting the work of the Holy Spirit teaching. And the Holy Spirit's not having their way in their life to convert them, to regenerate them, to renew them, to bring them into the, you know, into the baptism of Jesus Christ and the body of Christ. They're resisting that. And so what happens? They remain in their sins, right? John chapter 3, verse 18. This is the condemnation that's in the world that they believe not. The only condemnation that exists in the world today are are unbelievers that live resisting the Holy Spirit, choosing to live in their own sin. And that's the condemnation that they live in. And that's why they say, you're judging me, and you're not judging them. (laughs) You ever talk to somebody and they say, stop judging me? It's like, you know what? I'm not judging you. Yes, you are judging me. I can feel it. No, it's not me judging. It's your own conscience that's testifying against your lifestyle. And so, does that, is that clear? The unpardonable sin is something that a believer cannot commit because we have already received the work of the Holy Spirit to a point of salvation where we are now eternally forgiven and saved. The unpardonable sin is something that can only be committed by an unbeliever who is resisting the work of the Holy Spirit that never experiences that deep, deep work of the finished work of the Holy Spirit regenerating us. And so how do we, how do we not grieve the Holy Spirit that, that we have been sealed by? Well, just a couple things before we say this that Number one, the very fact that we may grieve the Holy Spirit proves that he is a person. The Holy Spirit's a person. It's not an it. You know, Buddhism talks about nirvana and the the personless abstract spirit that floats like a cloud. You know, know, a a Gnostic teaching, you know, and, and improper teaching on the Holy Spirit points at Jesus, uh, points to the Holy Spirit as, as a personless, genderless uh, entity. It's not. The Holy Spirit is a person. And many times in the New Testament, all the time in the New Testament and in the Word of God, it's always referred to as He. And I'm sorry if that, you know, I hope we're not 
uh, genderly oversensitive here, but it's why is it referred to as a he? Because the Holy Spirit's an initiator. He's a leader. He is, he has the, uh, he is a comforter and he has the heart, the mother heart of God, but he's also a person. And the fact that we can grieve the Holy Spirit tells us that he is a person. Number two, that he is sensitive. The fact that we can grieve him proves that he is a sensitive. John chapter 1, verse 32. John chapter 1, verse 32 is a verse that describes the Holy Spirit descending on, uh, on Jesus Christ. And also Matthew chapter 3, I believe it's verse 16. The, the dove uh, is a picture of the Holy Spirit. And why is it a dove that is the picture of the Holy Spirit? Well, a dove is one of the most sensitive birds. And it's the most, it, it can be so easily... Um, scared away or grieved. A dove is something that is um, uh, very harmless and very sensitive. And that's the way the Holy Spirit is in our life. The Holy Spirit is very sensitive to um, what we are allowing into the eye gate, into the ear gate. And the fact that he is sensitive tells us really that even the appearance of evil can grieve the Holy Spirit. Just the appearance of evil can grieve the Holy Spirit. And number three, the fact that he is loving and he's not indifferent to us tells us that he is uh, very loving and very caring. You know, an indifferent person is never going to get grieved. I think a person that's indifferent is never going to get saddened by things. It's not going to be, he or she is not going to be saddened by people's decisions. I think a mother is just an amazing and a father is an amazing example of the sensitivity of God's heart for kids. That a parent can be so grieved by a child's decision. But if a parent didn't love their child, they'd be indifferent and their child could make any decision that they want that's hurtful for them and would not be grieved. You know? And I think that God put that in people and parents' hearts as a picture of the, of the heart of God. That God can be grieved and that God... Is sent. God is not indifferent about our lives. We can be indifferent about other people, but the Holy Spirit is not a spirit of indifference. He's a spirit of sensitivity. And there are things that sometimes that happen in our lives that God is not okay with, and he wants to be proactive about it, and he wants to deal with things. And we should look at it from the perspective of God's love, that God loves me enough to deal with something in my life. And so those are three really important things to understand. So... I'm just going to close with, I like lists, I like points, you know, one point, two point, three point. So just bear with me here. There are five ways that we can end grieving the Holy Spirit in our life. Because when we, end the, when we end the grieving of the Holy Spirit, then we can be led by God into God's plan and God's awesomeness for 2016. Number one, I think that there can be, in 1 John 1, 9, there can be cycles of of what we said earlier, chain sinning. When we're just adding, because of ignorance or reaction or anger or pain, we're just adding sin to sin to sin. We're just kind of like, it becomes like this cycle in our life. And how do we break that cycle? First John 1, 9. Just rebound into the grace of God. We confess it. We, we confess it to God. And we, we preached about this a few weeks ago. We confess it to God. We name it. We say the same thing that he does about it. And, then, and then, then it's just dealt with, and it's just clear. You know, many times, many things can be just be resolved by bringing light into the picture. You know, something that's going on 
somewhere, a situation that's kind of like hidden or maybe just nobody's talking about or just kind of like brushed under the, under the rug, bring light into the picture and that just deals with it immediately. Just bringing light, the definition of God's love and God's heart or God's mind about a situation. You know, maybe even a sentence. And that, that is just 1 John 1, 9. We just, how do we stop grieving the Holy Spirit? We just rebound into the grace of God. We just say, God, I blew it. This is what your Bible says about it. I agree with you about this subject. Now just cleanse me from any unrighteousness. And when we do that, it's like, it's, it can be like a three seconds. It could be something that happens in three seconds. We're back in the program with God. Number two, get into the practice of renouncing things that we know that grieve the Holy Spirit. You know, there are things that just grieve the Holy Spirit that, you know, and I think that sometimes we can sense our own spirit is grieved or we can hear something that's grieving. And we want to avoid that. And in order to begin to hear the voice of God, we've got to detect those things that are grieving the Holy Spirit. So number two, just get into practice of renouncing those things that we know that grieve the Holy Spirit. You know. Number three, um, avoid whatever the word defines as sin. You know, if the Bible says something about something, just, just we just obey it because when we do that, we are um, we stop grieving the spirit of the word. And I think that in some circles, nobody really wants to talk about what the Bible says because it's going to be offending people because of the PC culture that we live in today, political correctness. Well, I think we do actually need that. We do need to have that. And what we do is, is we just avoid that. Number, number four, just bring to the cross anything that uh, is fleshly, any kind of flesh that we are living in. You know, flesh, and if somebody points it out in your life, don't react if someone points something out in your life and says, you know, that's kind of fleshly. I love you, but that's a little fleshly. <laughs> we want to react to that. We want to get defensive. And, but, you know, we just bring it to the cross. Just bring it to the cross. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2 says, presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice. And I just had this thought this past week that, you know, it's more than just bringing a problem that we have to the cross, like impatience or something. Because if we just bring that and nothing else, then that's attached to other things. We just got to bring our whole self to God and say, God, I don't even know what my problem is. I don't even know what my fallen aspect. This is what I think is happening in my life, but I'm just bringing my, I'm bringing the whole package to you today. And I'm surrendering to your cross, your forgiveness, your, your love, your, your grace. And when we do that, we start hearing the voice of God. And then number five, you know, as a Christian, there maybe are some liberties or things that we do that later we, we realize, I can't hear the voice of God anymore, and we discover that he's, that he's grieved. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. He said that all things are lawful for me. You know, when people say, well, you're a Christian, you can't do that. Well, we can do anything we want because we have free will. But it's not going to be expedient or beneficial in my life. And I think that when we, as a Christian, really want to hear the voice of God and have the Holy Spirit lead us in wisdom and understanding and into God's plan of blessing and for 2016, we have to understand that maybe there are some liberties in my life that actually can grieve the Holy Spirit. That can just be grieving. And, and some people, when you do that, some people will say, well, you know, you're just being holier than thou. You know, we're not as spiritual as you are. 
but don't worry about that because let them say that you know an athlete that wants to excel in his in his uh, line of of sport there are things that he doesn't have the liberty to do and to eat and that's fine as a christian we're the same way there are things in our life that are just liberties that we can't take because they're going to be a distraction from the voice of god and so that's number five just detect things in your life liberties that may be taking away uh distracting you from the voice of god and i just want to close with this that in jeremiah 29 verse 11 this is verse here it says for i know the plans that i have for you says the lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you hope and and a future and that, these are verses that I like for 2016, that the voice of God, the Holy Spirit, wants to communicate to us and lead us in a day-to-day um, uh, experience. There was a book many years ago written, Having the Holy Spirit as Your Senior Partner. And I just, I love that title because it means that we are partnered with the Holy Spirit. And when I want to make a decision in my life, I want to check with the Holy Spirit first and say, God, is this you? Is this you leading me? Is this your voice? Is this how you're speaking to me? And that's why, you know, in the beginning of our service when we have worship, it's so great to practice the presence of God. Like this morning, it was just so anointed. I just love the music this morning. And I just felt like God's presence here. And I felt like that God is speaking to us. And when we learn how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, it does take time to quiet ourselves and to discipline ourselves to a point where we're not living in fleshly opinions, but we just bring it all to the cross and we say, God, speak to me. I am yours. I am your servant. Lead me and guide me, and I will, I will just respond to you. Because the basis of God's plan for us, and there's a, probably a lot of things that may be happening in 2016, we don't know. We've got a lot of things happening this year. We've got an election coming up. We've got a lot of things that are happening in the world today. Uh, you know, we are a year older than we were last year. Uh, some of us feel like we're five years older than we were last year. We've got a lot of things. We have to understand the basis of God's plan and God's heart for us for 2016 is Jeremiah 29, verse 11, that God desires to uh, prosper us and not to harm us because his plans for us are peace and not evil. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's close in prayer.